Ahoy, mateys! Welcome to Expedition Cartoon, where my brother and I explore the vast and beautiful worlds of animation with the perfect place to call home. We are your captains, Alec and Lou, and today we are going to be entering a place from a brand new film for the first time since this podcast started. Uh, we are going to be looking at Rosas from Disney's Wish. Because we are modern and hip with the young times. Yeah, since this podcast started, I did have a little bit of a desire to check in on some new worlds as they came out. And I do think that that's going to be a thing we keep doing. Um, and it's interesting because when we do that, we have no idea what world we're going to be walking into. Like, we promised that we were going to be doing this podcast before we'd even seen the film, which is kind of interesting because um, with some of these other movies that we watch, we know Neverland is historic. And, uh, you know, a place like Wonderland has all of this um, magic behind it already. So by watching this film for the first time, uh, you know, we didn't know if this was going to be an interesting world or not. And uh, and that's I, important to say because this one might not be very interesting. Sure. And, and I want to say out of the gate... Um, we are going to, at least in the beginning, kind of try to keep this spoiler light if possible. But I would say if you haven't seen Wish yet and you want to, I definitely would recommend seeing it before listening to this podcast. Unless you don't care that much about spoilers. Because I think there are a couple logistics about the world that may be impossible to truly decide without kind of spoiling a major ending. True. Or, even easier, you could go to our YouTube channel in the Jester Brothers Cartoon Theater and watch my review of whether or not you should watch it. Yes, that is also true. Lou did a review uh, on the YouTube channel. You can find that in the description of our podcast. Uh, so, with that said, this is not a full review. Uh, this is an exploration of the world, but I would be shocked if we didn't have some review creep. Uh, yeah. It is a brand new film, and I'm sure that people are at least a little bit curious to know what we thought. Yeah. Um, and at least to kick off the city of Rosas, um, they didn't really give us that much to work with. It's kind of a, a city in the Mediterranean somewhere, and uh, the people there do things, I think, and are they ruled. have dreams. We they know have, they have they dreams. Have and dreams. Wishes. They have dreams and wishes, and they have a magical king, which is actually kind of cool. Sure. Uh, so I think that. In opening this discussion, do you, do you want to um, maybe open a little bit with what you thought about the film? For the, I mean, obviously, easiest to see the review, and I, I can also share a little bit about what I thought. Yeah. Um, well, the review is spoiler-free, and this very much won't be. So I can go a little bit more in-depth here. Also, I have a lot more time. Okay, well, um, well maybe I'll let you uh, let the review trickle in then. I, I liked how you were starting to talk about how we felt about the world itself. Um, yeah. It was, uh, I thought that it was, as a Disney film, there's certain things that I kind of expect to be different from the way I look at regular animation. You know, like if I watch an anime film, there's a little bit of a, like a different standard that I go into it with than I do with Disney. Um, so with Disney, there were some things like there's some, like, I, for example, I suspend my disbelief a little bit more walking into a Disney movie because I know that they tend not to bother with like, technical details they don't really care to explain how things work or why things are the way they are you know sure um, and you are forgiving of that for the most part would you say because for the most part yeah Disney unless... films operate under a different genre almost and you're judging based on the genre rather than like the overall movie yeah so 
Yeah, I mean, I still judge in both ways, but the way I think of a Disney movie is a little bit different because I like to give it a little buffer. Because um, a lot of these artists who are trying to make really great films uh, have a lot of restraint and constrictions that a lot of other movie makers, frankly, don't. Um, mm. And that's something that I think is important to note for the, like, just to be cool to the artists who are working on it. Because I'm sure there are writers and, you know, people that are like, oh, I wish I could have done that. <laughs> wish. I wish I could have done this, but there's no way Disney would have let that get in the film kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I wish this could get in the movie, but Bob Iger, a.k.a. King Magnifico, held on to my wish, and he, he kept it, and uh, yeah. despite all of the ceremonies, he just wouldn't let the wish be granted, and therefore it didn't make the film. It kind of sucks. And you know what's funny? Even though you, you say that as a joke, that kind of is one of my problems with this movie. Um, it ends up being a little hypocritical. Okay, that, okay, okay, interesting. Um, you want to explore that a little bit? Yeah, because, okay, so... Just, just to gloss over it in case you don't care about spoilers. Um, the story follows this girl, Asha, who is 17 and is apparently turning 18 in like three months or something. And at the age of 18, everyone's wish gets given to their uh, tyrant king, Magnifico, who like they kind of pretend isn't going to be the villain at the very, very beginning, but you figure it out pretty quick. Um, and it's all and over the trailers, which... I have just the tiniest beef with. I, I prefer to not even see a trailer to hear any reviews before a movie, just because I feel like there's so many things that prime you for an experience before you actually have it when it comes to the movie world. And yeah. uh, just tiny pet peeve that I wanted to point out. Go ahead. Yeah. See, I didn't have very many expectations going into this with outside, with outside of the animation. And we'll talk more about that as we talk about the world itself. But so there's this, you know, king guy and he has control of all of the magic. And he has this ceremony where once a year he grants one person's wish it's like a like a game show like it's a you know like oh i'm gonna pull a name out of a hat and that guy gets a wish he apparently chooses based on some criteria but we don't really that's know where it. i have some major issues but we'll get into that well yeah i mean the, the idea is that he's a villain and that he's pretty much only doing this to make people feel like their wishes are getting granted really so that he can just control all of them um, With that said, it's kind of weird because we are kind of painted a picture that he at least was a good guy at some point, and at least was still under the illusion that he was still doing the right thing until very early on in the film. So, yeah, he has he has a vague backstory, like really, really vague, where some town that he used to live in got taken over, and that's why he's like this. Does it really connect or make sense? No, not really. It's just supposed to be like, see, he's not just an ass for no reason. He has kind of a reason. So yeah. it's relatable, even though we don't know what the reason really is. Right. The, the reason's underdeveloped. And it's sort of a way just to kind of provide some backstory to give us a little bit of context. And um, I, I do think that th this is important because we're setting up the logistics of the world, right? Right. Uh, yeah. it, it's a situation where... If we are to walk in, at least at the beginning of this film, and I think the timeline is going to matter, and that's why I say that there could be some spoilers here. Um, we are walking into a world where at the age of 16, we would give up our greatest wish to this guy uh, who is apparently charismatic and everybody in the town trusts. And yeah. immediately upon giving up the wish, we will forget what the wish was. Yeah. And maybe if we are lucky at some random ceremony that he seems to celebrate some between like 10 to 20 per year maybe i think uh it said that maybe there were 16 the year that the movie is taking place uh he he sort of like lou said allegedly at random but actually it's personally selected by him 
will choose a wish to grant. And then that person will not only remember their wish, but they will have it granted. And yeah. Fill in all analogies you like about capitalism, the workforce, and Mr. Beast. <laughs> there you go. So in terms of me being a person who is interested in living here, um, obviously first instinct is going to be, okay, I'm just giving up my autonomy to a random king. It's a monarch, so that's already a bit of an issue, right? We've got yeah. one person in charge. Not to mention, they kind of don't explain the king doesn't let you know ahead of time that um, if when you give up your wish, like a part of your soul kind of gets taken. Um, yeah. It seems like nobody knows that going into it, which I find kind of odd because, well, okay, so here's another inconsistency, right? When that one kid who did turn 18 gives his wish away, uh, he's all like depressed, right? Mm hmm. And he's got these, like, dark clouds under his eyes when all the other kids who haven't turned 18 yet don't have that. Where are all of the adults feeling that way? We don't see anybody acting like that except him for the whole movie. Uh, it's a good point. So, but that that's interesting because it could be a personality difference maybe where... I don't know. I, I'm I'm exploring this right now, trying to come less from a review angle and more from a, okay, well, if I'm but, walking into this world, what's yeah. it going to be like for me? But so the reason I bring that up is because remember the song, The City of Rosas, where everyone's like dancing around and super effing happy, like toxic Disney happy? Yeah, and I loved that song. <laughs> I did too, but it doesn't make any sense considering the, the themes for the rest of the movie. And how people should be feeling since they gave up their wish. And if they don't actually feel that way, I'm not going to lie, man. This society is not that bad. Like, the song This Is The Thanks I Get, like, low-key, he's kind of right, dude. He set up a utopia where there's no effing war. And there's, like, mm. no problems that these people have. They're well-fed. You know, I'm not seeing any, like, sick people anywhere. It's That's like... That's true. This Lots of diversity. Up... No poverty. Yeah, and you just don't get to explore the, the you know, the dream that you specifically, that, your highest dream. Like, only a few of you get that. Only a few of you are going to get that anyway. Like, low-key, it's not that bad. Wow. Okay, so this is really interesting because I do think that the, the sheer premise of this is, wow, I am literally giving up my wish for no reason. I will never remember it, and my greatest dream is gone. But I like how you're spinning this. There's actually... It, there's a lot to, to um, I guess, be said for just pure comfort and having your Maslow's basic needs met in such an easy way. I think it might even be implied that they basically get free food. Like, this kingdom yeah. runs through the eyes of the king. He um, even has a line in his song, I let you live here for free and I don't even charge you rent, which, wow, way to use an AI-written script. Those are the two same things said right after another. <laughs> All right, some redundance. But... You're not I actually you, using an AI let, written script, to be clear. I let you. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but oh, not for not for the whole movie, but for certain aspects of it, I would I would truly not be surprised. Come on, I let you live here for free, and I don't even charge you rent. Think about that. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that, but I still believe that was written by a human. Anyway, that's if so. That was that's a bad line. They should have fixed it. Yeah. AI should have fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, moral of the story, like, so you have, like, a completely peaceful world that, again, like, his whole deal is that he's trying to keep it safe. Like, that is his backstory. Like, he's just trying to make sure there's no war. He does it super successfully. 
and a bunch of people get their wishes granted every year. Like that's that's more people than get their wishes fulfilled in our society by a long shot. Yeah, we yeah. can pretend that working for your wish actually means something. It's going to get you it granted, but it's not. This is capitalism. They're operating under the same magnifico bullshit that he is. <laughs> interesting. Okay, so I think that this is going to be a way more interesting discussion than I even thought it was because of where you're taking this, and I really like it. Because <laughs> uh, there is something to be said here. I, I even had a note that, in theory, as bad as it sounds to just give up your wish, I think that you could game this. Like, if we are people walking into this, we already know how he deals, right? So sure. one big factor is that if he feels like the wish is going to be something that causes probably loss of control of him, number one, and maybe arguably the safety of the nation second, he's not well, going to grant it. Low-key, I think our pre this guy seems like a build-the-wall kind of guy. I don't know if you and I would even be welcome in this society. Okay, I, that's another good point. Um <laughs> But let's say that we were able to walk in and and we know what to wish for, right? And we yeah. know that when we wish for it, it's going to like go out into the ether. We're going to forget it. I think that the move is to pick a wish that is not of like major intrinsic value to who you are as a person and something that is so incredibly wild that you don't genuinely believe that you would be able to do it without essentially the use of magic. And then people even have that. We saw somebody who was a wish it was to fly like Peter Pan. We also saw Peter. A lot of Disney references in this movie. Yeah, lots of Disney references. Um, you're right. Somebody wanted to literally fly. But to be honest, I kind of feel like that's the kind of wish that you should ask for because something I, completely wild. Something totally <laughs> wild and genuinely and wild and impossible. So one of the main storylines that we get is that Asha, the main character's grandfather, had simply wished that he wanted to inspire people with his guitar playing. Yeah. But as a result of wishing for it, he forgot that he loved guitar and has never played music for anybody, which, again, narratively, I'm not going to talk too much about that. But <laughs> it, that's terrible. Also, yeah, that's like, if you rough. lived in this world, to be like, oh, he has intrinsically lost something that means a lot to him. Like, could you imagine? Our dad is a musician, and music was his whole life. Like, if Dad just forgot his will to play music, he would have been, like, the uh, sleepy-eyed kid. A.K.A. I, sleepy. I really, <laughs> maybe the people who are... Here, we can we can work this narrative out ourselves if the, the writers of the script didn't give it to us. Yeah. So, maybe uh, the sleepy kid, it was something that meant so much to him and was of such intrinsic value to who he was as a person that such a big part of his soul felt like it was gone from the wish. And maybe, depending on how big of a deal that thing is to your personal sense of self-worth, maybe that's how much of a chunk it takes out of you when the wish tends to disappear. So again, there's some ethical questions here about what Magnifico's doing, but if it was us, we might be able to figure out a nice way around it. I mean, my wish was just not to pay rent, so he already granted it. It'd be pretty awkward if you found mine. <laughs> All right, that's fair. No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I would give, but honestly, being able to fly would be a pretty dang good one. <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know, man. I don't think about life like that. First of all, I'm not uh, I'm not monogamous with my wishes. I don't just have one thing that I want to accomplish before I die. That's pretty lame. Yeah. Um, but again, narratively, I don't think this story can handle more than one wish at a time per person. Because, um, you know, like, I don't really think about that. Like, you know, how many wishes, how many things do you want to accomplish before you die? One, only one. 
you know? Um, and if that one thing was taken away from you, suddenly all of your drive is gone. Well, so that, and actually that gets into another theme of the movie that I wanted to talk through. And they hint at this in like when the crowd is sort of finally starting to think through their own logistics. You as a person, your wishes change as you get older. So by wishing for something when you're 16, you know, who's to say that that's something that you actually care about? And that's I'm pretty sure the age is 18, by the way. Okay, maybe it was 18. Whether it was 16 or 18, who we were then is still a different person than we are now. And that actually raises another thing. If we were to walk into this world, we would have to drop to the age of 18 to be able to make a wish in the first place. Otherwise, yeah. we would just be living there without our wish. And maybe that's the sweet spot. Maybe you don't even have your wish given away. See, I feel like there was supposed to be commentary in this movie. Sorry to put it back on the review track, but like... That's okay. I can't help but feel like this is the the promise of going to college. You know what I mean? Like, you, you invest all of your time and energy in one thing. You choose the thing that you want to do, and that's your major. And then by the time you graduate, you usually don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I mean... I, th that's true, and I, I, I actually, that was not the commentary that I thought they were going for, but I like that a lot. Well, and I mean, partially. Was... I, I, I mean, like, our whole capitalist system in general, making you feel like you, you know, like, the, the I think of the American dream, you know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. well, if, we, if we work hard enough, then then our wish will be granted, and we'll have a nice house and, and a family of four and a white picket fence and all that crap, you know? Well, actually, that's sort of what the, along the lines of what I thought they were trying to teach us, is if you work hard for it, you don't need to make a wish. Like, you can make this happen on your own without having to ask a king. Obviously not if you want to fly, which is why that's the kind of wish that you should be going for. Uh, but if you're trying to be a guitar player, then, like, go out and inspire people, is kind of what they were trying to say. But if you want to be, if you want to fly... Just wait for the queen to give it to you at the end anyway. <laughs> so that's, you that, know? that's where it gets flimsy. I know. Well, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying that maybe that's sort of where it was going for it. Let me take this opportunity to actually share a bit of my thoughts about the film too. Because I think that you are sort of getting the picture from Lou. All right, maybe this was not like the cleanest, most tight script. Um and I, I actually very uh, fair if you started thinking that. <laughs> right. I, I agree with him. So and you know, I, I don't know who all is going to be listening. It might be a lot of people who were very excited about the movie Wish and they want to hear more about it. Um, or they really like The Kingdom of Rosas. And uh, I, I will say to, to you specifically, I am pretty much like one of the biggest Disney fans that you can imagine. So welcome to the podcast first. Um, and I walked into this film really ready to uh, come for the critics that were being mean to it, honestly. Uh, and... My brother, Lou, I thought was really nice. I really liked uh, how you explained your side of the review. You weren't coming down hard on the creators or uh, anybody. You know, it was just like, okay, yeah, I liked it. It was good, but there were some definite, like, loopholes that were kind of obvious. Yeah. And I, I think that for a lot of the time, when it comes to me and Disney, and I have a feeling that some other Disney fans may relate to this, uh, I don't always need everything to be airtight. Some of the early Disney films that I love a lot do not have airtight plots, complexities. And back in the day, it was not common to have such complex characters and plots. So you got your imagination and your imagery out in other ways. Um, 
And I'll say this too. The music in this film is among the best. I loved, loved, loved the soundtrack so much. And to me, the soundtrack was the lifeblood of this film and the place. And it told me what the film wanted to be. And so I actually thought that 50% of the songs were good. Wow. Okay. Well, I the only one I really didn't like was one of the villain songs. Um, but the rest okay. I loved. Yeah, I thought I felt like there were too many at one point. I was oh, like, no. Man, we're getting yeah. another song this quickly. Kind of I kind of don't know anything about these characters. If you're gonna tell us, if you're gonna sing a song, can at least can it at least have us learn more about the personality well, of these? And let people? me actually say great music in a uh movie or a musical should teach us a lot right the idea of singing about rosas in the beginning is to give us a picture like paint oh this is what this town is like and from that moment i was this was early on i'm like wow this is a really cool place like i really like the way that they're explaining this the way that they're singing it just this the genre of music is telling me a lot and then i i felt like i didn't necessarily get that same vibe by watching the film and the rest of the context behind it you know yeah I also, I did think The City of Rosas was a really good song. I thought the voice actress who sang it was incredible. Um, I really liked the villain, the first villain song. Yeah. But those were the only two that really left an impression on me, I'd say. Oh my gosh. So the very last song that they do where it's the group of them getting ready for a grand plan, I just thought was spectacularly. Oh no, that one was great. I agree. When they're like, when they're like getting hyped for the climax of the movie. Yeah. No, that was good. I agree. That that was the other one that I thought was really good. Um, I thought the one with the goat was like, eh, the you're a star one. I was like, eh. Yeah, okay, I, I can understand that. I, I really liked it. It gave me some old Disney vibes, but I could understand people not enjoying it so much. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to highlight the music because sometimes when we talk about whether we want to live in a place, we're considering how the music makes us feel. And I just felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect for me about how great the music was and what it was painting versus what I actually saw on paper from the world. And, um, I, I also wanted to finish my thought too of, um, I'm, I love Disney. I love these old movies. I love the magic of Disney. And I love that this movie was an homage to the Disney 100 celebration with all of these references. I personally could have even gone for more, which probably would have been overkill for non-Disney fans. Uh, it may have already been overkill with the amount of references. Um, I mean, I thought but, the references were pretty subtle. Did you notice the Snow White apple on uh, Magnifico's desk? Oh, that was a really good one. See, no. So I didn't catch everything even. And I bet that there were more behind the scenes that than I even noticed. So I got to take a closer look next time. Yeah. Um, and I also, you know, I, I'm thinking about movies like Atlantis and Treasure Planet that were panned uh, by critics back in the day. And now we look back. Great. And yeah. Like these are great movies that we love so much. And I don't know. I could see Wish being nostalgic down the road and people just accepting, well, the plot wasn't that great. It wasn't uh, perfectly written, but I, I still got some nostalgia from it. If, if that's you and you really loved this movie just for the vibes, I'm so about that because I also am a vibes guy when it comes to movies. And the truth of the matter in this specific case is I really did want to walk out loving it and coming after critics and everything. And it didn't quite do that for me. I did like it, um, but I, I, I wished that I was able to just... Uh, come for the haters and um it, it didn't make enough of an impression on me it felt like it was almost there like uh, my how my wife put it they just didn't go hard enough always and i i think maybe it was there like there was something there i really think that the plane could have landed with a couple different tweaks but well and see this is why the commentary 
being like muddy is a problem for me, right? Because when you're having a, a, a concept this strong that's playing on pretty much some of the core values of what Disney is, wish upon a star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we didn't know Pinocchio was a movie. So we don't realize that if we didn't don't wish upon a star that we actually also have to go to work, right? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, that's not one of those things that I think money people actually had a problem with, all things considered. But the problem is when you have something that it's like this guy's holding all your wishes and you need to you need to have you need to hang on to your wish. But we don't really know why they don't actually show anyone work for their wish. Everyone just gets their wish exactly as they wanted at the end of the movie anyway without doing anything. Like it it's like what were you trying to say? It leaves you it makes you leave the movie being like I feel like it just I don't know it felt like weirdly almost cash grabby because of that because okay. you can't you can't take something as heartfelt as fulfilling your deepest wish and not actually say anything about it you know what right, i mean again, this is where i felt a disconnect between the movie and the music um because i did feel like i was getting that feeling of magic from uh the music that disney is known for yeah, and but that's the problem it's cheap it knows how to hit that note for you so it does it but it did it without actually giving you any philosophy to back it. Well, but that's the problem is Disney can give you those feels cheap. But in this case, it didn't really feel like it succeeded that much. Yeah. Um, like even me, somebody who is the easiest person in the world. Like, <laughs> and Let me just say this. I don't like critic culture a lot of the time. I oh. hate Rotten Tomatoes. I don't like that people are primed for movies before they see them and are led to believe that something might not be good. I don't like when people are snobbishly coming after creators for things that they felt personally wronged just because they didn't enjoy a film as much as they could have liked. I hate all of it. And I'm mad that I am critiquing it all because I wanted to walk it. I can suspend my disbelief so much. And the problem for me with the movie was that it didn't even quite let me suspend my disbelief. It was too glaring. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between some of these old, nostalgic, amazing Disney movies where it lets you suspend your disbelief because at the very least, you can see the world as being what it is. And the world is consistent. And now we're getting a film where it's an era where we're demanding more complexity from our films and our characters. And it it gave a, it sort of leaned into that enough to where, okay, we understand that these characters need to be complex, but they're not. It almost would have been better if they just created us a world where all belief could be suspended and they didn't even try to create uh, some of the mechanisms yeah. that they did. But because yeah, that they- was, that was one of the things, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, because they tried so hard, I felt like it left a feeling of, I'm missing something here. And ah, uh, it makes me upset because, and I want to say this, I come for it out of love, but I still did enjoy myself in the theater, mostly because of the music. Yeah, I mean, I had fun seeing it in the theater, too. Um, but, you know, it, one of the things that I said is, like, I thought it was weird that they decided to put it arbitrarily in, in a Mediterranean island when, like, why? Was it, just, was it just so that you could have an example of every race in your movie, Disney? Is that really the reason you did it? Because that's what it felt like. You know what I mean? Like... Why didn't you just make it some fantasy place and still do that? It didn't have well, to be like real. It could have just been somewhere no, in I a land have, far, I, far away. You know, I, I kind of have a theory about this. I think that they, if they wanted to make a place that was diverse, they could have created that fantasy land anywhere. I think that that's not a factor as much. And that's what they should have done. 
Right. Well, because in theory, you know, we're creating a fantasy ideal world where people are able to get along from all walks of life. And in that way, this succeeded because we at least did get that. Uh, and I think your point is true that they could have done that anywhere. It didn't have to be an island. But I think by making it an island, it's showing, oh, it's easier for a village like this to be protected without a really high population because the king is sort of creating a world that is protected from everything else so in a way it's like we are separate from everything else and that's its own commentary like you said this king is like a build a wall kind of guy yeah uh, yeah so you know he is trying to kind of create his own little utopian society so that's where i think the island thing comes from uh from my vantage point so i want to hop on that also because so we're talking about having our own little utopia utopian society right yeah and i i studied everyone, I studied philosophy in college and I wrote my thesis on uh, communitarianism and like, like kind of a utopia theory and what it would be like for a, how to, I think it was called like sustaining autonomous community in the United States. Um, and uh, the idea is that, you know, like small communities are probably the easiest way for you to find really fulfilling uh, systems of community. There's a whole thesis. Um but I gotta be honest, this island is is not bad. And the thing is, immigration actually is a really complicated issue. Imagine you did create, like, your perfect society. Perfection has a cap! You can't just let anyone in. It's kind of an unfortunate reality if you're going for that. You know what I mean? If your idea is a utopia, then there's gotta be some discernment. And then that poses its own set of problems. Yeah, because you have to have a criteria for why people are allowed to join or why no one's allowed to join or whatever you do in between. And uh, when I was studying my theory, like most su most successful uh, communes and like small, really sustainable uh, communities, they have a super difficult to get into, uh, you know, system. So like uh, a lot of them are like religious families that have been going on that have like 200 plus members. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you don't know the religion in and out, you can't be a part of the society. For a lot of cases if you don't have a role you can't be a part of the society um and it actually keeps things really balanced and everybody who's involved in the society really involved and in feeling like they're really a part of it and they have a shared system of values which is one of the most important things that you can have um and i gotta be honest this whole wish mechanism actually functions really well for that um, that's interesting see and again i i think that maybe that could have been leaned on harder oh uh, yeah i think so and yeah, because I guess, again, Magnifico, he's not just walking in as this villain who's secretly manipulating everybody. He at least has some semblance of, I did this because I felt like it was the easiest way to protect people. And at the same time, I'm giving them an opportunity to have a wish. I genuinely don't think he was ill-intentioned to start. Yeah. And it sort of creeped up and became that. All right, I want to politically confuse everyone because I made the wall reference, right? Like he seems yeah. like a, you know, put up your walls kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but he also seems like a no one's allowed to have guns kind of guy because he's the one who keeps all the magic and he doesn't want anyone else to have any power so they can't overthrow. Wow. You know what I mean? And it's complicated, actually. See, you're, I love how you're able to talk through things because we're getting more complexity out of the conversation <laughs> that I feel like I actually got on the screen. And maybe some of those undertones really are there. They just take more thought. Uh but uh, you're right. That's a factor. And, you know, I like the idea of not having guns in my society, especially something like this. But do you like not being able to do magic when it's out there? And, okay, actually, that's a really good point, because that, is, if we're going with that allegory, 
Uh, I don't know, because magic is potentially dangerous in the same way. Oh, and by some degree, maybe he's protecting people from it. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly our protagonists disagree because, you know, they evoke the Second Amendment in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's around to go around with wands and blowing shit up. Oh my god. Uh, gosh, I feel like... <laughs> That's so funny. I, I feel like in, in this specific case, the problem is, okay, in theory, this is a danger that's not around us, but you are putting all the power in the hands of one person who we have not talked enough about is still a very hardcore, egomaniacal villain who True. is potentially going to crush everybody's souls for the purpose of trying to uh, give himself more power at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think misguided is fair to say. Sure, I, I think um, misguided. And that becomes the problem, right? Is even in this utopian society, you still have this one person in power. And even if they started off well-meaning, the power did consume them in the end. And who's to say that's not just going to continue happening throughout the lifeblood of this utopian society? Uh, well, I mean, that tends to be somewhat of a downfall of a lot of these sustainable communities is you get one ego, ego, ego maniac that ends up running things. That, that sure. There is a pattern to that in, in utopian, quote-unquote, utopian societies. That's its own discussion. And I'm going to spoil one major thing for, let's say, uh, two minutes, so skip ahead about then. Um, Asha ends up with all of the magic inside of a wand after Magnifico is gone. And yeah. uh, Magnifico's wife, the queen, who's actually a really uh, good, well-meaning character, presumably, becomes the queen. So we now have all the power in the queen's hands and Asha's, who is now the arbiter of magic. And I feel yeah. like, again, we are making one person the arbiter of magic. And who's to say that this is not all going to happen again just yeah, because and, the movie ends nice. And she's not even 18 yet. She shouldn't even be able to carry Right, and she even says that she, in the beginning, that she is, uh, I think, something along the lines of malleable enough to be trained, but not too malleable. Uh, that was such a weird line for me. Yeah, it's like, I, uh, I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's still some possibilities of things really going south in the future of this place, uh, even though... Yeah, I think so. I, I trust Asha. It's just, you know, she is young and... The, having all the magic at your disposal is a lot of power. It is. <laughs> I didn't uh, even actually think about that. Like seven, wait a minute. You're put, you're saying our new arbiter of magic is 17 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't vote for that. What is this system? <laughs> okay. And here becomes the problem for me. And we can now get out of spoiler territory. No matter what, if we are moving into the society, it seems like we are going into a place where there is one singular figure who is the arbiter of magic. Uh, in, yeah. in, uh, the society. And that's a, I think a big problem because for me, as Unless the biggest Disney me. fan, no, I'm just kidding. For me, the biggest Disney fan, and I, I shouldn't actually say the biggest Disney fan, because I know that there are some people who like blow me out of the water in terms of, you know, their obsessive Disney fandom. You don't um, even have a Mickey tattoo. Step up. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's true. I don't have a shrine dedicated to any characters and, uh, oh. you know, Oh, I, shoot. I, is that what it is? Oh man, I've got an adventure time shrine. No, I'm just kidding. Look, I'm, I'm not going to come for any of the people who, uh, you know, bleed Disney because honestly, uh, I've been part of the culture that I understand those people more than I think a lot of the outside people looking in and calling people Disney adults see. 
Um, I know where that comes oh, yeah. from. Like, I know where the safety comes from and feeling like this is my pocket of magic that I want to maintain. I'm, I'm not going to come for those people. I don't have it as strong as I did because uh, I lived and worked at Disney World for 10 years. And, you know, I still love it tremendously, obviously. Um, but I just, I think I got brought down a little bit more down to earth after all my time there, just to give a very, very vague backstory. Maybe one day I'll get more into it. Yeah. Um, but I personally was looking for a film that was just like, gonna shower me with the Disney magic. And I, we get to see talking animals a little bit, but I, I think honestly, what it all comes down to is the entire place, this whole kingdom of Rosas. I, I kind of felt like it was a little bit bland in terms of a place to, to live compared so, to all of these mystical places that we've already explored. Some of them that aren't even Disney. So I also thought about that problem. And actually the reason why, so I, I actually, I don't know why I keep thinking about my like thesis in college. But one of the things that a utopian society has that does well in a communitarian sense is that everybody has a specific role that gives them a sense of intrinsic meaning and feeling of contribution to the society, right? Yeah. What does anyone on this place do? Do they have uh, jobs? Does anyone have a role? We don't see anyone do anything. They give away their dreams. Yeah, they give away their That's true. But, but that's kind of the issue... Because this place is actually really close to me for being, like, a truly wonderfully harmonious society where, you know, nobody has the magical equivalent of guns. And, like, you know, things are really peaceful, you know? Like, yeah. they they have a seemingly rigorous system for making sure that outsiders aren't dangerous. And, you know, they've got a lid capped on on all the, you know, weapons and stuff. Like, it seems like... This actually isn't all that bad of a place to live, except for the fact that it seems so boring. And what people don't realize is when a, when a society of people are bored, they become dangerous. And that's the biggest danger of all, not their wishes. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, exactly. Because the fact that I think the real reason that everybody at that town meeting is like, actually, I want more wishes. How about this thing? It's because they don't have anything else to do. Why did they even go to that meeting? <laughs> that's right they're at all the town meetings you know that they're just looking for some purpose yeah dude they're just looking for something to do because their wish was taken away they're promised it'll be given to them and then they guess they just we don't even see like a marketplace where do they get food there's so many things about the society that don't make sense sure and actually if we are to pull like i'm i don't want to say that i would never live on an island um because I think there are maybe some animated examples where that could be interesting. I'd, I'd be interested in talking about Moana one day. I think that's a place where people have roles and there is some commentary yeah. about, okay, but do you leave the island or do you not? Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, I love the Mediterranean Sea. Really nice area. Uh, the idea of a Mediterranean island, it doesn't offend me as a place to live necessarily. I love uh, Mediterranean food. Granted, yeah. I don't understand, like, if this is supposed to be closer to African culture or Greek culture, so I really don't know what kind of food I'm going to be getting. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and we didn't really see it. Another, ex How about a great example of a recent Pixar film that made food gorgeous and you 100% understood the vibe of the area in every way was Luca. And I think that would be another oh, okay. interesting one to talk about. Not sure if you ever saw that film, but it's worth your time. I actually haven't seen Luca yet. I meant to because it looked really good. Um, but the things that I, I don't want to be, cause okay. So everyone, I like cr critic culture. Like I love movie criticisms, 
Um, I think Rotten Tomatoes is dumb because I think that the like math that they use to make their scale is kind of silly. And I think it's more yeah. so silly that anybody would judge seeing a movie based on a number versus an actual review, you know? Sure. Like if, if I 100% gonna... agree with you. People should go in for the true reviews and hear what they think first. If that's yeah, how yeah. they make their decisions. Exactly, yeah. If you're if you're somebody who's going to let in, reviews influence you, like, at least listen to what someone has to say instead of just, you know, looking at a number and being like, oh, uh, this this got a 70. That's lower than the what I would want to see. You know what I mean? Um, yes. Uh, shoot. Because this is another example on Rotten Tomatoes where the percentage of audience who enjoyed the movie is way higher than what the rotten tomato critic score is showing uh yeah and that's because the way that those scales are compared is totally different you know for audiences it's just did i like this movie or did i not for critics it's did i rate this on a scale of six out of ten or higher and what percentage of critics rated it that high which maybe some of you know but that's kind of a silly way to review things because uh you're gonna get a 30 percent rating on rotten tomatoes because, uh, you know, a bunch of people rated the movie a 5.5 out of 10. And you feel like that should be more of a 55%, but no, it ends up being a 30 just because of the way that it works. So anyway, all I'm trying to say is don't mistake a 58% for a 58 out of 100 score because it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, but, but you know, in general, without, outside of the math, if you're actually listening to people, I like review culture. I like the critical commentary of it. What, what I was pretty much going to say, I'm sure it had something to do with how reviewers were talking about the animation. But the animation was, even though it wasn't what I was hoping it would be. So one of, okay, we talked about expectations, right? Yeah. Which is something that some reviews would give us too. And one of the expectations I had that Disney gave us is that it was trying this animation style that mixed CGI and 2D animation, right? Mm -hmm. Our backgrounds were 2D and our foregrounds and, you know, characters and movement were CGI. And I was really looking forward to this being really stunning and beautiful. And even though I thought the place was really pretty and a lot of the animation was very pretty, I didn't think that that style actually like lended anything to the movie. You know what I mean? I get that. And let me add another minor point, which is, I will admit, mostly a personal preference. I really don't like when films have mostly dark tones. Uh, I'm talking like color tones in the sense that yeah. it was night almost all of the film. And I felt like most areas were not that well lit. And for a movie like Wish, especially with the starlight and everything, I wanted that to pop more. Like if it was going to be night, I at least wanted to feel like I was swimming through stardust or some kind of magical feeling like Peter Pan gives you a little bit uh, in some yeah. of its nighttime sequences. And I just felt like all of the tones were really like subdued. And I had a hard time, a harder time getting into that. Like one of my biggest critiques about DC movies compared to Marvel movies is yeah. they're just so hard to see. Like just yeah. generally, I feel like everything's muted versus Marvel. Everything's very bright. So I wanted more brightness, um, especially from a world that I'm going to be moving to. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I thought the island was beautiful. I did. Definitely. I thought like well, the, the design of the island was great and really. There are cool vibes. Like it's it's not the out of all the places that we visited, it's far from the last on my list that Wait I would want to live. Does the island have the same physical structure as the frozen place? Arendelle? Um what, what do you mean physical structure? Like like when I think of the island from a bird's eye view, or like standing kind of far away. And then I think of the island from, like, 
uh, or I think of the frozen place from the same perspective, I feel like they have the same structure. Like there's this like ocean water border and then they go up into this like castle. Yeah. I I'm I just had a tangent. I'm just like, wait, did they model this after the frozen place? You know what's interesting? I was thinking about Frozen while I was watching the movie, and maybe that's why, is there's some kind of a similarity in how the kingdom is built. I don't know, it could be subconscious. But the reason I was thinking about it is, at different points, and I went through waves with this movie where I was like, I love this, I'm obsessed with this. And then moments where I'm like, okay, but that's a little confusing, and I feel like I want it to hit harder. Um... But I kept thinking about Frozen, a movie that was so popular. And when I was working at Disney, it was everywhere, annoyingly so, to a point yeah. where a lot of us who were down there did not like Frozen. We were just sick of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept thinking to myself, is Frozen really a better movie than this? Well, I think so, 100%. So here's the thing. Frozen is a lot simpler. And it yeah. didn't try to do anything all that complicated with the magic mechanism. It's also a lot brighter. And the imagery, I think, is what brought a lot of people in. It has a character like Olaf who, love him or hate him, is very, he pops off the screen. Whereas our animal character in this one, the goat, really didn't add much to the story or the plot at all. No. Um, my, my review of him was, he was pointless, but not as annoyingly pointless as some of our characters have been that have filled the same role. Sure. Uh, and I I do feel like Anna and Elsa are both extremely simple characters at the end of the day. But honestly, I have a feeling that's why Frozen was so successful. It was just the simplicity, the brightness. They didn't try to do too much. Um, the music I'm, was I'm good. I'm going to disagree on one point, actually. Okay. I, I think the simplicity helped, but I don't think that that's why it was so much better. Um, two reasons. Number one, the ice animation was absolutely gorgeous and it was better than this um, no doubt. but again i think the brightness is a contributing factor i just think it looks better like it's true. more aesthetically pleasing to the eye i think the world in the music were a lot more interesting we got the trolls we got this ice kingdom we have elsa with a lot of cool powers um there was a lot okay. of that that made it really cool but most importantly and my biggest problem with the movie is there was so much emotion on those sisters faces in frozen we really felt like we understood their personalities and why they're driven to do what they do and why they feel the way that they feel. And you feel the same emotions with them. That's and fair. every single per character in this movie had the same animation as that two-dimensional king guy or prince guy in Frozen. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Is Except the villain. The villain had a little bit more. A little bit. But I guess that feeds to my point where I feel like this movie was potentially a couple of steps away. Like, they knew that the Frozen formula was the right way to go, but I think that they missed on some of the things that actually did make Frozen successful. Yeah, because the thing is, think about this. Frozen wasn't really going for any commentary. Like, you know, may maybe on an individual level, but the thing is, the commentary isn't coming from the abstract of what all people should do with wishing or what all people should do. It's just, you know... We have two characters that have conflicting ideas. One who wants to get let everything in, and she lets everything into a point where she gets hurt because she lets this like traitorous prince into her heart, you know? And yeah. then we have Elsa who's closed herself off to the world and gets hurt from her isolation. You know what I mean? And but they're explored so well because of the contrasting personalities shine so brightly. The problem is, I don't believe that anybody in this town actually gives a crap about what they're wishing for. 
Okay, yeah, and it's hard to tell how much they even care for each other. Like, I think yeah. the strongest connection we kind of see is Asha clearly cares about her mom and her grandfather. But even yeah. that's a little bit underexplored. Like, we don't see it that much. Yeah, uh, there's no flashbacks, really. Maybe there was one, but it was unmemorable. You know, like, right. the dad is mysteriously gone. Right, there's no real explanation about it. So it's hard to care about any weight of that, too. Um, yeah. And, uh, but anyway... I, I do still think that Frozen is kind of an overrated movie. And I was sitting there like, why did the critics like that one so much more? But you, I think you just explained a lot of the really good reasons why is even if Frozen isn't your jam because you uh, do think it's simple or a little bit uh, schmaltzy. Um, I just think they, it was overdone. I actually thought Frozen was a great movie. Yeah, you, oh, so you think like it's just oversaturated to the point where people are annoyed at the presence of it? Totally, because it's an, it's an expectation thing, right? So... I was expecting Wish to be Disney's like magnum opus, amazing film. I was you know too. What I mean? Yeah, that's they, what, they, I, I. I wanted it to be that. It's the hundredth anniversary. It's about wishing. It's so Disney. They could have really knocked it out of the park with this thing. Yeah. And with Frozen, they advertised it in like like oh, this is our best movie of all time. This is fantastic. This is so good. And everybody saw it. It was the you know it was like the pop culture icon of the whole like next year and a half, right? Yeah, if not farther. But it wasn't that good. It was good, but it wasn't as good as they hyped it up to be. And that was the problem that I think that it had so much backlash from. You know what I mean? If they had Sure, there was spent, a lot of advertising. Yeah, if they had just dropped it casually and everyone had gone to see it and not like heard all that advertising, they would have been like, oh my God, this is freaking great. And I did not see that coming. You Elemental I mean? had the opposite trajectory. It was a film where... That it didn't seem like that many marketing dollars were spent on. It got off to a really slow start of the box office, but the reviews were so good that people started going and they're like, wow, this is really good. And it ended up crushing it at the global box office. That's good. Um, I know Disney had a okay, rough year this year. They did, but Elemental was probably like, not probably, it was easily their best animated feature by a mile. Avatar made them a lot of money too. Um, Avatar 3. Oh, or 2. Avatar 2. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you're right. The movie that didn't need a sequel. Yeah, th there were a, uh, the first a lot of movie that... wasn't good. Sorry, <laughs> it's unfortunate because look, it bothers me right now that a lot of people are wishing for Disney to fail. I understand where it comes from because you're you're kind of rooting for like a big corporation to fail. I get it. That's fine. Yeah, um, I, but I, I get it. For me, Disney doesn't just represent a corporation. It represents like magic for a lot of kids and a lot of people. And I'm not rooting for it to fail. I'm rooting for more Disney movies that help that power come through because I, I really do believe in nostalgia and, you know, kids being able to fall in love with these characters. And genuinely, like, Disney's done a great job for a while about making movies that are great for parents and kids. I'm curious what the reaction will be to this movie for kids because when you're really little, you're just looking at the imagery and the characters and the songs and you remember those things. You don't always look look for plot and i'm not trying to not That's give fair. kids enough credit because yeah because i was gonna say credit. some of my favorite movies that i had as a kid are still really good not, yeah, not all of true. them but like i remember some of my favorite animated movies were like shrek and the iron giant and i watched both of those fairly recently and they're both still really good sure so you know and, and that's a good point i i just wonder like <clears throat> kids loved Encanto and parents loved Encanto. that was a tremendous movie that was Encanto very was great i thought it was, was so fantastic. good 
And but but I do wonder, is it possible that maybe there's going to be a market of children who are just obsessed with this movie because they're not thinking about it as hard as us? I, I we'll see. Maybe. You know, I think that time will tell if that's the case and to see how this movie emerges in Disney history. I think that interesting worlds and magical elements make kids interesting. And I think that didn't hit hard enough to really land with kids. I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, another movie that I kind of think about that was a, a fairy tale, uh, Princess and the Frog, the last traditionally animated oh, film. that one was so good! That may be my favorite Disney movie ever. At that's one of mine. It's in my top five, I think. Uh, and it was just... A, I love that it was traditional animation. There were a lot of things that I loved about it. I, I was thinking a lot about how much easier it was to follow the plot and care about the characters. And they went to so many interesting places. And I just felt like uh, the trajectory of the movie made so much sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I really don't want to rag on this one so much. It's it's weirdly easy to do. Um, it's because it wasn't I had really fun. that good of a movie. I mean, one of the things, so Princess and the Frog had a lot of interesting scenes, right? A lot of interesting locations. Yeah. This place didn't even have that. We have yes. the kitchen, the city. They went in the forest one time, but none of them are inspired. They don't look cool. They're just and places. When we started this podcast, one of the founding things was we feel like a great place makes a great series, a great movie a lot of the time. And I wonder how much of the real problem here was that the place was uninspired and how much it genuinely could have fixed it if we felt like yeah. there were really like wonderful popping images and colors and let's let's you know, think vibrant. about some amazing Disney, pixar and disney films right finding nemo my god so many beautiful places that they went to older yeah. example that we've even reviewed already nether neverland yeah. you know peter pan so many crazy beautiful places so many you know i mean even with the magic and tinkerbell's limited system that gives you so much to work with it's so inspired you know yeah lion king Tons of different locations they went to. The watering hole, that crazy graveyard, the place where the hyenas are. You know, like, it could have just all taken place in a play. I mean, I'm not talking about the live-action movie. I have my own gripes about that. Live-action, yeah. quote-unquote, it was animated. Um, you know, Aladdin, a million beautiful different locations. A recent... Coco, same thing, you know? Yeah. And the thing a is... A couple of those are Pixar, but I'm not gonna... <laughs> Make too hard of a distinction. It's all well, good. Well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I'm giving Pixar as an example because I just want to say that there are people that know how to do it right with this kind of CGI. And a lot of the same Disney teams in Pixar. I mean, it, Disney is part, or sorry, Pixar is part of Disney. So there a lot of the same people do work on the same things. I just like to make the distinction because I'm a Disney snob. But like, they know how to make, they, they, they have the tools to make it good. They just didn't for this one. Yeah, and I wonder what really fell apart. I saw, I think, a tweet from one of the creators uh, who felt like, you know, I sort of get the criticisms, and uh, I feel like we did the best we could with what we had, which I That's felt like was... the problem with what we had. When you yeah. hear a creator say that, it means that Disney really didn't give them that much rain to work on this, as much as they should have. Yeah, it felt like maybe there were creative constraints, and um, it's interesting. I... I Disney has a lot of hits throughout their history, but they've also made misses. You know, it tends to sometimes happen in waves where they can't just quite get the traction right. And uh, I think that that speaks to how hard it really is to make a successful film. Even a company that's done it well so many times still yeah. doesn't always know what the right way to land is. And they still that's make true. these mistakes that stop their movies from succeeding. Well, and this was um, the 100th anniversary, too. This one should have been their 
best movie of all time, you know? And I wonder if pe- if we're being harder on it for that reason. And maybe we should be. Because it, it was called Wish. It was called it Wish. It was literally you know? called Wish, yeah. I mean, I, I think it deserves it because, I mean, I don't know. We You made a point about, like, so many people are wishing for Disney to fail, right? Yeah. And I don't want Disney to fail necessarily because, like, let's be honest, everybody. You're the one paying for it. That's just going to replace some capitalist giants. Stop shopping at Amazon. Um, but the thing is, I want Disney to be inspired again. I want them to actually, like, care about... Like, when I saw Finding Nemo as a kid, I know that that's Pixar, but still. You know, Finding Nemo made kids interested in marine biology. And, like, yeah. inspired a ton of people to grow up to be scientists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Monsters, Inc. made people super interested in fantasy. And, like, what could be hiding around the corner in, in a fun way. You know? Again, world building. And it, and the thing is, is, now, I loved Encanto, but it still didn't give me that feeling. You know? Okay. It depends. Like, yeah, I, I can. Uh, well, because it did make you feel like, what if I could walk into my door and there was a jungle in there? I actually feel like Encanto does give me some of that. But like, I want like Aunt, uh, Lion King made kids interested in animals. So many old yeah. Disney movies made kids interested in animals. You know, Aladdin has its problems. I'll I'll be honest, but like, it made people interested in Egyptian culture. Yeah, whether they yeah. knew about why that was or not. <laughs> I think that Pinocchio made people want to wish upon a star and have that dream come true, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, I feel like there's so much exposure to different magical things now that Wish needed to really go harder. Like, I, I think that, let, let's just say, for example, that our, our main character got that wand earlier and was doing magic like 30 minutes into the movie to sneak around. And she yeah. had magic the whole time outside of the star, just using RNG to mess shit up. <laughs> you know, like, I think that would have made kids feel like, oh, yeah, I can do magic. I'm excited to hold a wand and do magic. You know what I mean? And the thing yeah. is, we have Harry Potter. We have Star Wars. We have so many franchises that already do the magic thing that I feel like our expectations are just so much higher. And they did not even come close to passing them. Sure. I, I think it's fair. Um and, uh, you know, honestly, in some ways, this has been therapeutic for me to talk with you about this. I, It's weird, like, this feeling of really, I, I love Disney so much, and I, I wanted to be able to, like, harshly defend them. And actually, I have seen a lot of people in the Disney community that have genuinely loved the movie, and I'm happy to see that. Why? Because I want people to love what they watch. You know, I don't want anybody to go into a movie ready to hate it. Like, at the end of the day, if you love something that is panned by critics, that's wonderful. Like, take your, you know, take that thing that you love and, you know, cherish it. There's no reason that you are wrong for what you love. Um, but for me, it was like, this particular situation was something where it almost hurt a little bit because yeah. I it I wanted so desperately for the 100th anniversary to almost even pretend that I loved it. Um, to pretend like this thing was going to be this culmination of the hundred years of the company that I personally cherish so deeply. Um, and to tell an even per- more personal story, and I'm sorry, everybody, this is going to be schmaltzy for a second. You're going to have to deal with it if you've made it this long. Um, wow. But I believed in the wish upon a star message from Disney back in the day. And I don't think that all of you should. I think that, you know, I- I'm not trying to make any kind of a blanket statement here, but what Disney meant to me is when I 
was younger visiting Disneyland, our parents didn't have that much money. They were able to take us to like two trips through our life. And those trips were really special. And we knew what it, what the toll was on them financially to be able to take it. So yeah. one of them I, really messed us up. Bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But, you know, I remember being there on the last day and I had the time of my life the Disneyland thing, it was just connecting to me. It was giving me a sense of childhood that I felt like I was losing the more that I grew up and I didn't connect with other people. I, I was still so imaginative and I just felt like the world was growing up around me and I wasn't ready. And like, I remember feeling at home at Disney and seeing other people who were the same way. And I did, I wished upon a star, uh, the first one that I saw in the night. And what I wished for was to be... I, I wanted to work for Disney. I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to make magic for kids one day. And, you know, I know that it wasn't like the magic of a star that caused it, but I believed in that wish so strongly that I made it my wish, my dream to do it. And I did it. I did it for 10 amazing years that I will love and cherish forever. And that is what this company has meant to me. It's what it I know has meant to a lot of other people. And, you know, I, it, it's just like, I, I'm almost emotional about it because I, I know that sounds silly to people, but there, in some ways, I believe that there is power in a wish. And I wanted this movie to tell me that. I wanted this movie to explain to me why that wish mattered to me. And, and I didn't. just... <laughs> it, but that's okay. Because it didn't have to. You know, it wasn't the responsibility of anyone. And everybody's wishes are their own. And maybe that's what at the end of the day, the movie is actually trying to teach us is it doesn't matter whether you make your wish happen, whether some extenuating circumstances make it happen or whether it never happens because there's lots of wishes to go and there's lots of uh, dreams to be fulfilled and all kinds of things that can come in life. And even when some don't, you know, you maybe have an opportunity for more. So uh, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to go on a soapbox for a second about what Disney's meant to me in my life because uh, I I feel like uh, with the Disney 100-year anniversary, uh, now's kind of an appropriate time for it, even if the movie uh, didn't hit me the way that I was hoping it would. So if you could hold a wish in your hand now, what would it look oh, like? That's a fascinating question. And if I could make the wish a, a new one. Yeah, because it's not the same now. Um, I want to have a family. That's my first wish. Aw. Careful what you wish for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you always should be. Uh, all right, Lou. Uh, I don't think that either of us are moving from Trollberg to this world, are we? No way, dude. Yeah, no I, way. I think that we've adequately explained why at this point. I, I tried to be on, I tried to give it some credit and be like, yo, there are some utopian elements to this. Um, I don't think these people have as much of a right to complain about their leader as, uh, as, uh, I don't know, man, there's a lot of privilege going on in this movie. They're like, you know what? I don't like that. I can't achieve my wish. I want my top goal in life to be met guaranteed by my society. Like, dude, they, this, this King did effectively give you literally everything you need to be happy. Minus that one thing. I'm just being yeah. honest. I think maybe by the end of the movie, they had a pretty good case for why he was not the greatest king. Well, yeah, but that's because he went mad with power. At the beginning of the movie, when he was like just a regular egotistic dick. And think about it, guys. If you if you want to be the leader of a nation, you have to have those qualities, right? 
if you're just yeah. a super humble down to earth person, you're not going to want to do that. You know, that's true. You know, better than to get into politics in the first place. Yeah. You know, better than to try to lead a bunch of people. So we like, it makes sense that if you're going to have some, a president, a king, or, you know, a prime minister, whatever, they're going to have to be a little bit of an ass. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe a little bit. I think there's a line. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Maybe, okay, probably a lot based on our track record. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I just thought that uh, even though I wouldn't move here, in all honesty, like, if you told me that I could live here and, and just enjoy a peaceful life where I pretty much know that nothing's going to seriously harm me and, like, you know, there's definitely no war, there's definitely no conflict within the town you're just kind of on tropical paradise for the rest of your life. There are worse places we've looked at. Well, let me ask then, because I didn't po properly pose the question, you know, we're not moving from our place, but would you live there? Would like, if there were no other options actually here, here or there, like low key, probably I would wow. probably live here. Okay. Um, st I'm still going to say no, a little bit too bland for me. I think I, I can't say, I mean, it'd be boring. I, the thing is, I would want to, I hate to say it, but I would want to be the, the the apprentice. Okay, so if you notice, something that they didn't touch upon enough in the movie is at the very beginning, um, the the king was hoping that his apprentice, which Anna failed in, the Asha. king want, Asha, the king, did I say Anna? Yeah. Like from Still Frozen. frozen mind. Oh my yeah. god. Okay, um, the king wanted the apprentice's biggest wish to be the best apprentice for the king. That's what he was hoping for. And even though that's kind of controlly and weird in some ways, it's kind of sweet in another way. Like, oh, he genuinely wants somebody for the job that wants to do it to the best ability. And he was disappointed that Asha kind of just wanted to selfishly grant her own family's wish. You know what I mean? Which is probably something that he hears a lot. So I guess that is kind of reasonable. Yeah, like, he's like, oh, well, I was kind of hoping that the apprentice who, you know, is wanting to work for me wants to, like, care about the village and wants the village and, and wants to dedicate themselves to being a good king or queen, you know, yeah. like low key that is super reasonable and really not that bad of a trait. He heard her out. And in all honesty, I would have been interested in being the king's apprentice. <laughs> That's your ideal scenario. I really would have whoop in there, become dude, the king's apprentice before it's too late. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, as an outsider, I feel like I wouldn't have qualified, but I, I would have totally wanted to be like, yo, I'm really interested in how magic works, and like, you know, am I going to change up how you do things? Probably, but like, I, I'm, I want to learn. I want to be the guy who's right hand to the magic user. That sounds sick. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know what I would want to be in this town because I answered no. I don't. I like, mean, there's, if there's I had really, to, there's no role. What 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 are your options? The only jobs you see are his kitchen staff, him, his queen, and the the, the apprentice. No one else has a role. Yeah, I don't know if maybe I would want to like try to be one of the animals that I had would, magic. Maybe on, you know the you're the star. I thought about that, but the star is going to be lonely because they got to be in the sky most of the time. And I can't, I can't be a character that already exists. I'd have to be a different star. I think There's that would be a different problem. stars. There's a bunch of stars in the sky. And at the end of the movie that the star had to leave because they said that they needed to go grant other people's wishes. So you could be the star granting, you could be the wish granting star. 
Yeah. That works for you. I, it's fine. I, I honestly think I might prefer to be a talking animal because at least oh then God. I would be able to talk and I'd have a different experience, a different community. No, that was, reminds me of my favorite line in the movie, though, was when if you listen to the mushrooms, then you'll understand. Do you remember <laughs> that one? I do and remember then, that one. I also liked the chicken scene. That was good. Really? Yeah, it made me laugh. Look, we like the dumbest scenes in the movie. Lucas likes the mushrooms. I like the chickens. That's that's just that's basically you could put that on a slogan on our t-shirt. Lucas uh, likes the toy. I don't. I don't know, think I should advertise that uh, until it's yeah. more legal. Once it's legal, I don't mind. All right, I think that we've got off the rails a little too far. Um, <laughs> it's legal in Oregon. We have our first clinic. Yay! Yeah. All right, everybody. I think that this is about does it. Uh, this was a fun discussion. And uh, yeah, this was I appreciate good. Next time, uh, we are going to talk about Whoville from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original animated classic. So I hope you oh, stick around. Oh, my God. That's going to be a good conversation. Wait, wait, wait. I need to qualify. I want everyone to know what sources are we drawing from? Are we drawing from like Horton Hears a Who, like all of the Whoville stuff? Oh, are we pulling? Oh, okay. From. Because there's a whole universe. The Who, the, the Whoville is relative. That universe is expanded. Well, the Doctor Who, the Doctor Seuss universe is expansive. But is this the time to get into it? And oh no, I think I mean I think we got to talk about Whoville as Just we see it as the Christmas special because okay. this is the Christmas special. But then maybe in a future episode we can expand to the Seuss verse. Okay, fair. We're gonna do the animated one also because the live action one is atrocious and uh nobody, <laughs> hey nobody a lot agrees. of people disagree with us on that let's be careful no 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 i nobody disagrees that the who's themselves are horrible though oh that they're ugly yeah they, not just wow oh my god i wasn't thinking of i meant emotionally oh, me they're too. all horrible they're all terrible to each other they're super rude and at the very end one dad is like you know what i know we've just been money grubbing ass for this entire film but you know what it's not about the presence because my daughter said so right today well, there will be time for that discussion next time, and I can't yeah, wait to have okay. it. <laughs> everyone All right, who likes everybody. that movie is like, wow, screw you. It's a bad movie, everyone. I don't care what you Jim Carrey can make a movie good, but it's a bad movie. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We'll see Bye. you next week for two weeks for Who Will. Who Will. Yeah. Who Will. Bye. <laughs>